Today we're going to continue our study of God's Word, and we're talking about attitude, and we're looking at the great example of the wrong kind of attitude and how we can change it, and that is the attitude that the people of Israel had when they were in the journey from the promised land, I mean, to the promised land, and they, in the desert, they they stayed in the desert 40 years because they chose to have wrong attitudes, and so I want to talk today about replacing covetousness with contentment. And in the 11th chapter of Book of Numbers, the Bible says in verse 4, the rabble, that's the crowd, with the people of Israel began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now we've lost our appetite. We'd never see anything but this manna. The manna was like a coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering, gathering it and then ground it in a handmill or crushed it in a martyr. They cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves. And it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Uh, later on in that, in that chapter... In the 18th verse, the scripture says, Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. When you will eat meat, the Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. And you will not eat it just one day, or two days, or five days, or 20 days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils, and you loathe it, because you've rejected the Lord who is among you, and wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? And so then God sent great hosts of quail that simply came out of off the sea and right on top of the people, and they were able to gather them up. And because they could gather them up, they were able to have all kinds of meat, but the result was disastrous. And I want us to, to just look at that today, covetousness. You see, we live in a, a thing society. Most people equate happiness with possessions and position. Nothing reveals our obsession with things like the rise of the many storage rental places. They're everywhere these days. And why are they even in existence? Because we have more stuff than we need. We can't even put it all in our home, so we have to rent a storage place to put some of our stuff. Advertisers have helped us to blur this distinction between greed and need. Lewis Goldman calculated that the typical U.S. consumer is the recipient of 3,000 advertisements daily. I don't know whether that's true or not, but there are a lot of them. Their goal is to produce in you a need for their product. And one study shows that college, about college freshmen discovered that they link prosperity with happiness. That is, 74% of them did. Whereas in 1960, it was 41%. So this is where covetousness comes in. This is one of the attitudes that caused God to send a whole generation of his children and left them to die in the desert. It was because they were so covetous. They were never satisfied with what they had. They were never satisfied with what God did. They were never appreciative of their blessings. They were always complaining about something always wishing that something else were true for them. And as they did so, they literally just uh, blinded themselves to what God was doing. 
I want you to see the curse of, of covetousness. It's really a curse. The Bible says they craved, they desired. Uh, that's what it is. It's a, it's a desire. It's what we desire and how we desire that makes it a sin. God made us with a need to feel significant and secure, and God gave us a hunger to know that we are and that we have value, and that's good. We all crave that. We all want to be safe and accepted. However, the world can never meet that need, and that's the problem. You see, when we begin to say, well, I've got to have that thing, I've got to have this, I've got to have that, and that, that's not going to satisfy this, this hunger need in our hearts to be a person of significance and value. Only God can do that. So covenants, coveting is wanting the wrong things. Maybe wealth and power and possessions, are they're okay in and of themselves, but if they become the focus of our life, then they become the wrong thing. And I think, too, it's wanting right things for the wrong reasons. Sometimes the things we want are okay, but, but they're selfish reasons. They're, they're reasons only about ourselves. Maybe we want to be a spiritual leader so that we will get personal recognition. Well, that's the right thing to want, but that's the wrong reason to want it. Or maybe we, we want wrong, right things, but we want them at the wrong time. We won't wait on God. That's like so many young people today. They want a new house, and they want a new car, and they can't afford it, so they get it anyway. You see, they, they go ahead and fulfill that craving, that desire that's there to have what somebody else has. I'm amazed at how many young people think they ought to have what their parents, who are now 60, have after they've worked for 40 years to get that to the place where they are, but they think they should have it now. Well, we have to discipline ourselves to work toward those goals and keep our attitudes right. And there's nothing wrong in having some a nice house and a nice car. But it's if we put that first above everything else, and if we don't time it right, if we make foolish decisions that get us into trouble financially, we need to recognize how it all works. The Bible says that, that, that they crave. They had these greedy desires. And when we dwell on something we want, you'll often yield to that desire. That's why we have to, have to focus on the Lord. And it becomes a craving if we, if we look at, oh, I've got to have that new car. I've got to have that new deal. I've got to have that new house. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. And it becomes something that dominates our lives. And, and it's like if we're on a diet and we're full, but somebody brings out the cake and the ice cream, it looks so good we just go ahead and eat it anyway because we... Not because we want it, not because we need it, but because it just looks so attractive to us. We, we get, give in. And that's what they did. And the people back in Israel, in, in Israel in that day, you covet something you don't have thinking it will bring you to satisfaction, but it won't. Only God can do that. The Bible says in Psalm 106, 14, in the desert they put God to the test, so he gave them what they asked for but sent a wasting disease upon them. You see, we can get what we ask for. We can get what we want. But the crazy thing is it won't satisfy. Somebody said he climbed the ladder of success, and when he got to the top of the ladder, he realized the ladder was on the wrong wall. Point being, it didn't satisfy. Covetous, uh, covetousness also destroys your capacity to experience God's sufficiency. See, if you're always wanting something else, thinking it will satisfy you, 
that it makes you dissatisfied with what you thought would bring satisfaction, and that's God, but you didn't trust him to do it. And you'll probably can't even come to hate what you believed and thought would bring you satisfaction. And we're going to pick that up tomorrow and talk more about that. So I hope you'll be with me. Have a great day. And remember, give God the glory.